0: Thank you. I feel like a celebrity. Thank you very much for coming out this evening and hearing me talk more, more foc- in a more focused fashion about API documentation and the jo- the job hunt related to th- there too. How many people are working in an API documentation capacity right now? One, two, three. Okay, three of you. Tom, come on. No, I, I have hand up. All right, you do. Okay, that was half a hand. Good. All right, that's five. Um, how many of you actually know that you want to write API documentation that aren't doing it? Who wanted a cheeseburger? <laughs> 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 I mean, she All right. Who's this, this? Anyone want to claim this? I think that's oh, Neil wants it. <laughs> Somebody get him a cheeseburger. You have a, a high bidder here. Okay, so. <laughs> excuse me? Oh, you wanted I it too? To no, I oh, well, you came to the right, yeah. right place to get your start, but also to compare notes with some experienced API writers. And I hope, I hope that's, that, that you benefit from interacting with each other and that there's, there's dialogue. I don't want just to preach because heaven knows I do not have all the answers. Um, some context, I am a former API tech writer in the software industry, and now I recruit those people. I turned to the dark side in 1994 and for one reason or another have been you know, fairly successful at matching people who want to do really geeky documentation work with opportunities for that. And it's, it's strange territory. I'm gonna cover lots of details. Um, I have to start with a table of contents. Why is DevDoc work desirable? <laughs> Skills and abilities which open doors. Which traits and assets keep those doors open? Where the demand is strongest, What is it, pay? That's often the most popular part of this presentation. And how do I get there from here? And I will be sharing lots of credit on section six because there's lots to say. Um, Before I continue though, Tom, am I being recorded and do we know that everything's fine? Okay. Um, For those who are tuning in remotely, um, I'm going to read the slides. I apologize, they are also available. Um, They will be-
1: Recording slides too.
0: Excellent, okay then I will worry no more, except when it doesn't, sli- doesn't change. Okay, section one, why is this kind of work desirable? Well, you see it in every job description. You look at these days for software industry tech writing, somebody wants you to write documentation for developers. So I refer to DevDoc as a, an umbrella term to be API reference documentation and software developer tutorial documentation, that is, how to get something done as a software developer using a software development kit. It is not the same as an API reference manual. Okay, why is it desirable? Because there's strong and consistent demand, mostly. There is superior documentation, excuse me, superior compensation, probably 30% better than most technical writing work, and it is long-lasting. Plus, the best part for tech writers who are tired of commuting, it is location agnostic. Which means, especially in the open source world, they do not care where you are. And as we age, we care where we are and we do not like, we do not like open, sort, open seating environments. We do not like working with 20-somethings who know more than us. We do not like, well, many aspects of what tech writing and software development has become. Necessary skills. This is definitely a job market in which the more you know about the subject material, the better. It is not sufficient to be able to write, to be able to research, to be able to think, and to be able to publish. If you don't know what needs to get out in front of your audience, if you don't know that audience well enough to know what they already know, and what subset of the information in your head needs to be shared, you are not adding value. Double, underline, and bold that statement. You need to understand your audience and what they know. It's not just who they are, it's what they know. So you must be able to read some code. Not fluently, necessarily. Not all languages worth of code, but some, and you need to be able to make sense of it. By the way, this presentation online has lots of speakers' notes, so unless you are compelled to take notes, You will find most of the questions that you want answered, anticipated, and put in the speaker's notes. Just refer to those later. You need to be able to install the products and you need to set up a sandbox. You need to see how this product really works rather than how it's just advertised to work because your job is to document the thing that ships rather than what the marketers say it should do. You need to to navigate an operating systems command line interface, CLI, If you're scared of non-GUI interfaces, this is not the job for you. You need to be able to author embedded documentation. Now, for 20 years, documenting Java code, for example, the default was do it in Javadoc. You're embedding software documentation inside the source code, you're running a filter against it, you're pulling out the documentation, and both the engineers and you, the tech writer, can see the code in context with the, excuse me, the documentation in context with the code. If you're not willing to do that, if you need to use Microsoft Word or FrameMaker or a separate authoring tool to entirely divorced from the code, you will find this frustrating. You need to be at least willing to explore using a static site generation tool. Um, Ever heard of Jekyll or Swagger or, Many, many others, readme.io, excuse me? Middleman. Middleman. Okay, yes, I've heard of this, but not, not frequently. Um, this, this is the, the category of tools of choice for documenting products, REST APIs especially, but also other kinds of APIs inside the source code. Finally, to plug into comms channels and meetings. So if you are scared of being on the same IM channel as, as the developers, and as the other members of the team, and potentially revealing your ignorance, again, you will, you will, not, you will not be comfortable. Um, you will have to come up to speak pretty quickly. OK. The trick to getting documentation, to getting work as a documentation writer of developer content is to be indispensable. There's no such thing as being indispensable, therefore this is catch 22. Um, But here's what we mean by indispensable. If you are the geek that understands the team, if you understand their product, and you understand their audience, you're going to get interviewed. You are going to be given the, the Benefit of the doubt, you will get the opportunity to prove what you can do to help. It is especially important that you be willing, even if not immediately able, but willing to work without hand-holding. The more vacuous questions you ask development, the less your credibility uh, rating, and the more you will be ignored or given excuses as to why the information is not available to you right now from the SMEs this information of course being crucial to your success. So dig deep to understand what is actually being required of you um, and the product. Understand what you're, what you're communicating about. It's not sufficient to say, I think it does this, does it? Explain the world to me. You must be able to bring very focused questions and you must know when the, an- the question has been answered and walk away as opposed to asking for the meaning of life. To earn your keep, you wanna be able to write code examples. Not everybody can do this. Most people don't like doing it. Even software engineers don't necessarily like writing code samples, because they are very highly visible illustrations of what the product can do. There's, There's a downside to picking the wrong code example. But you need to be able to draft something so that your SMEs, your reviewers, can respond and say, I'd do it differently, how about this? Oh, good idea. I love that. Yeah, I, I love your sample I, better than mine, but do something so that they're not staring at a blank page or insert code sample here. Optimize the content tool chain. Um, I think that stands by itself. Those, the content tool chain is what this unique set of tools that you use to produce content, and almost every company writing API documentation seems to do it differently. Used to be that you had FrameMaker, and that was good enough. Everyone used it. Worked the same way every time. No more. It's, we are in the diaspora, the post-FrameMaker diaspora. And it'll be different, but you need to be able to use it and make it work better for yourself. And that might mean some, a little bit of scripting. It certainly might be looking for ways to optimize it. Okay, and you really, really need to be able to measure your productivity. You're dealing with engineers who are naturally skeptical of the ability of writers to add value. All they know is they don't like writing. They hired you so they wouldn't have to. If you can't show them how you are adding value, either saving them money or better yet, making them money, then you have a, shall we say, a finite lifespan it's important to be able to say, with my help, you made your dates. With my help, you fixed this many bugs. With my help, you got stuff done that matters to the shareholders or matters to the customer or matters to management. Those metrics count. Being able to say, I fixed this number of typos or I made it look better and everyone agrees that it's pretty now, no more. That, that, used to, that used to be good enough, but that is not going to cut it in API Docland. Ultimately, and in, in summary, you might want to make them look good. How do you do that? All of the above, plus, always get geekier. If you are not terminally curious about how to make your product more intelligible, more powerful, more usable, then ultimately they will find a reason not to work with you. Part B of being indispensable, do not forget the intangibles. Now, I'm gonna take it as given that most of the people you're interacting with are on the spectrum. Many, many technical writers themselves are as well. However, there are ways to bond and make it obvious that you want to be part of this team and that you add value. Keeping your word is one of them. When you say you're gonna be somewhere or get something done, it is gospel. You Don't break it. You give them nothing to find fault with with relative to your credibility. You listen carefully, and you listen a lot. It is really important that you make sense of what you hear. If If you can't make sense of it, record it, go back. Wikipedia can be your best friend. Essentially, it's okay not to know but it's not okay not to know the next time. You are, this is your cue, and nobody is going to stop and say, let's make sure the tech writer understands. That doesn't happen anymore. It might have happened once. Initiative in all things. If you aren't the one driving improvement in your content, or a better understanding of your product, or many of the other things that technical writers are valued for, If you have to, if you wait to be asked, you will not be asked very often, and and soon bad things will happen. Um, To exercise initiative is essential, because they really don't know what matters to you. They really don't know anything more than, your job is the doc, get out of our faces. And if if it's not clear to you, if it's not clear how you're gonna get it done, Raise a flag early, but also be part of the solution. To blame and say, not my fault, the tools don't work. That is self-defeating in the extreme. Generate helpful content quickly. Draft something, give them something to respond to. Engineers in particular hate not knowing. They hate reviewing a blank page. They don't want to respond to Template fill in the blank text where you know insert code sample here I mentioned earlier, but intro to this product or what have you. They, they do not like guessing. Never stop learning. I, I've indicated earlier in the being indispensable, never, never you know stop getting geekier, never stop learning about the product, about the industry, about the about what the competition is doing. These are ways to add value as a tech writer that many people don't get, don't learn about. Okay, where is demand? (sighs) I'm partial here. I don't typically work with Fortune 100 companies. I am a one-person boutique. Um, I like to call myself a sharpshooter. Most people like to call me something else. I work with startups because startups have a lower barrier to entry. They tend to be hungrier. They tend to be a little more candid about their despair and their frustration and their need. Um, And in the open source space, they get something that most Fortune 100 and Fortune 1000 and other companies don't, which is documentation sells product. In fact, in open source, if the doc sucks, the product doesn't sell. It is that simple. The doc and the training are all they sell. The code is free. You can download the code, and you don't have to be anyone special, and you certainly don't have to pay anything. However, if you don't help them with the doc, if the doc doesn't solve the, that wonderful acronym TTFHW, time to first hello world, if you are not getting them started quickly with your content, they will move on and find a product that does. So all tech companies need developer doc. Startups just know they need it, and they need it more. As a result, on-site work often isn't necessary. The whole joy of open source is this is distributed, and typically there are time zones involved. That can be wonderful for those people who don't like to commute, those people who don't need to be physically seen in order to be known to be working, and so forth. Pay rates as I've indicated, are higher. I'm going to show you a table next that actually gets explicit about that. Documentation is often an army of one exercise. This is not a team. This is not a pubs manager and a dozen minions who all have their different job and all cooperate beautifully when the weather's good. They, a, a tech writer is going to be wearing multiple hats and needs to be able to go deep as well as bright. Innovation is a great deal easier. There are fewer barriers to innovate in young companies where there is less of a, how do we say this gently, there's less legacy content, there's less of a a trusted way to do things. It's there must be something better, what is it? Let's experiment. The answer is, the the reason often is why not rather than why. The gratitude factor toward a tech writer who does his or her job well, huge. Loyalty, huge. There are many tech writers who shuttle from startup to startup to startup because they know the founders or they know the lead engineers. They don't ever even interview. They just say, oh, you need what? Okay, when do I start? Great, and I'll probably leave after two years worth of vesting, but so will you, so we'll go on to the next startup together. Um, there is a culture that does that it doesn't come to STC meetings, because it doesn't have to. Um, Okay, what can I earn? Well, DevDoc pays better than most computer industry tech writing. It's getting more valued, and it's unlikely to get offshored. Everyone cares about will there be a job next week. API tech writing stays in the Bay Area for a variety of reasons. I'm gonna guess at a few. The crown jewels of the company are protected in the US because of copyright law. Offshore, not so much. The people who control the crown jewels like living in the Bay Area. They like the politics, they like the weather, they like the community. They'll stay here. And they can override their venture capitalists when their venture capitalists say, thou shalt not hire in the US what thou can hire in India. If A lead engineer says, I trust this tech writer and I want them working on this product. I don't care where they are, but I trust this person. And if this person is charging US Bay Area rates, they're gonna get those rates. So, dev doc pays well. How well? Okay. If you are a 1099-based independent contractor, the low end of compensation that will be paid to you directly, this is without an agency involved, if there's an agency, you know, ratchet it down by whatever the agency's commission is, low end is 65. Average, $80 an hour, that's considered increasingly very average. And 100, I've seen multiple people not even get a blink at $100 an hour bill rates. If you are a W-2 hourly worker, those translate to a low of 55 and a high of 85. On staff, Captivity, a wonderful thing with benefits and the illusion of security. Low at one... Oh, someone's paying attention. Okay, one, 120 is at the low end of developer doc salary rates. 145 is about as high as I've seen it. Um, I'm, I'm waiting to be corrected, but no, okay. Um, <laughs> all right. There are those in the room who are worth more than this, but they don't go captive. Um, you're welcome to answer, ask me questions about that later, like who's paying what. But this is the fun part, getting there from here. You are not expected to be a 100% match for any of the job descriptions that you see. Don't hesitate to apply to a job where you are as good as an 80% match. If you are a 50% match, apply. If you're less. Don't. It's a waste of their time and yours. But between the 50 and 80 is, is that wonderful sweet spot where you know enough to know how to help them, and there's a growth opportunity for you. If you're over 80% that you already have done it before, they think that you're going to be perfect, but also way expensive and maybe temperamental. All right. so. What you're seeing right now is a linked version. This is a Google presentation. um, And the underlying parts are actual links. (sighs) Training to be an API tech writer or a developer doc tech writer involves learning the tools. Most of the time, some variant of Markdown and GitHub are involved. And for those creating XML content, Oxygen seems to be the authoring tool of choice. for people who need to get their arms around what is cool and what is au courant in developer doc land, Tom Johnson's blog is without comparison. I, read. I'd rather be writing religiously. That is absolutely the way to get yourself oriented. Um, that and TC Dojo. I didn't even
2: know I was coming.
0: <laughs> no. It's there. I'm sorry I you know, act- had you got the fifth bullet, but, but it's real. Um, and Tom also, in the spirit of Peter Grunbaum and Sarah Maddox, he offers an API documentation class that is linked from his blog. Um, so get the soft copy, click the link. Sarah Maddox is an API tech writer on the Google Maps product. Last I checked, she lives in Melbourne, Australia. She comes to the Bay Area approximately once a year. And the last couple of years, she has led free API documentation classes for tech writers who want to get from here to there. Um, Those classes have been held at the Google campus, which is another cool reason to go. Um, And they have Google recruiters in attendance. Um, But you can learn a lot. And this is interactive. This is not just preaching. This is get your hands on code. This is make documentation happen. You won't have to wonder what it's like after a day of this kind of a class, um, seats sell out fast, and they all seem to happen BC before, excuse me, before the TC camp um, event. So, watch your your calendars for TC camp, and you know that the day before, Google Sarah Maddox, and her protégés.
2: 7 will be her class, maybe. Twenty okay. eighth will
0: be camp. Okay, January twentieth. Twenty eighth. Twenty eighth. You heard it here. Thank you. OK, January 28th for TC Camp, a great event for, for networking as well as learning what's, what you need to know. Um, TC Dojo, an undersold option from the people who bring you um, single source solutions. I presented a couple times. I feel like I, I am way. In September, I will present again um, on interviewing. But listening to recordings, <laughs> they, are, they are kept to half an hour. They happen between 8.30 and 9 in the morning. Um, and they are, they are sincerely useful. They are full of information that is relevant to a high-end practitioner. Um, you can listen to these, pr- these presentations again and again, still not get everything you need to know out of them but they will make you look smart in an interview. So find the right presentation, listen to it before you interview on a relevant topic, and you will wow them. Um, and of course, watch for STC chapter meetings that are relevant to topics that interest you. Again, get geeky, stay geeky. You want, you want to be smarter about the technology than the average tech writer. This is kind of like the 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 camper who says I don't have to be, avoid being eaten by the bear, I just need to make sure that you get eaten by the bear first. Um, <laughs> it's, it's all about evolving. And if you are scared about evolving, then I'm surprised you're to hear. Um, your portfolio, finally. Um, put your portfolio online. There is no excuse for a portfolio not being online these days. Some will say, oh, it's all NDA, it's non-disclosure. Agreement, you know, locked down, can't show it to anybody. If you're not willing to put any writing samples online, you will be seen inter- interpreted by in-house recruiters and this recruiter even as having something to hide. There are ways around it. There are links to the word "online" that that goes to my portfolio, advice on NDA content, on making it online, on. Uh, on several other aspects of portfolios that I get asked about all the time. Please, put it online. Link to it from your LinkedIn uh, profile. Put it on your resume. Doesn't have to be the entire thing, but it needs to be something. Prioritize open source style API references and tutorials, not the old style, 90s era, tabular slash, slash, slash encyclopedic content. Those of us who've been around more than 10 years know what I'm talking about. It used to be that everything you knew about a particular API and every single possible parameter and variation on that parameter used to be all in one place, literally alphabetically organized. Most people don't care about that nearly as much as they used to. There are open source style, much breezier and more useful variants on that that are the style to emulate these days. If I I show a a client an old school style API reference, (laughs) they are automatically branded old school, even if they've written stuff for fill in the name of it. They've done Facebook or LinkedIn or Google API documentation. Somehow, the hiring manager still thinks of them as a a fossil. So if you've got open source style content, show it off. Okay, contribute to an open source project. You may think, what, me, open source? That's way beyond me. Go to apache.org, go to GitHub. Go search Google News on cool open source projects that interest you, let's say you like you like stamp collecting, you like bird watching, you like something else, bird watching API, you may find one. You may be able to contribute content there. It may be just editing initially, but ultimately you may be able to create content. You will be noticed as somebody who likes to write, who organizes information intelligently, and ultimately you will get a human being who might respond to a real email to say, yes, this person has real life experience in open source. And that, my friends, is absolutely golden. To have the experience and not have to say, but I can, I promise, I promise, I promise, just give me a chance, that is fatal. Having the experience, golden, not that hard to get. And for portfolio advice, as I've said, see this section of my site that talks about (laughs) more stuff about portfolios than you want to hear. Okay, getting from, huh? to yes, you want to approach opportunities in this order. Please be aware that this is a recruiter talking, so I hope you'll understand when I put recruiters last, I mean it. (laughs) Recruiters take at least 20% of your base compensation if you're a staff employee and at least 25%, sometimes 30%, sometimes a lot more from your hourly rate for contract work. So, You want to approach opportunities that you see on LinkedIn or on job boards via shared contacts. Use your network. Use STC to build your network. If you can figure out someone other than the recruiter at that company who could profitably be engaged in the conversation, send them a LinkedIn email. uh, email. That works. They will get a referral fee, referral bonus for introducing you, and they will be on your side. Plus, a company looks at that and says, "Great, referred by an existing employee or somebody we trust. Two people skin in the game, not just the worker, but the employee or the referrer. We want this person to work out. Two people with interest in that success. You know, metric is better than one. Job board ads, 2 to 3% of people get work from job board ads. It's not that effective. It's loud, it's everywhere, but they're hunting for people that don't exist half the time, and a lot of tire kickers are kicking those tires. So recruiters... recruiters have a personal relationship, in most cases, with someone on the hiring, in the hiring organization, but they typically don't speak peer-to-peer with the hiring manager. This recruiter is an exception. Um, If I can't speak to the hiring manager, I don't take the engagement. But most recruiters are throwing spaghetti at the wall. And once they've thrown your particular brand of spaghetti, you can't get back in there on your own for at least six months. Those are the rules. Six months, the recruiter who introduced you owns you, even for a job unrelated to the one for which you applied. So you, have, you run a risk by letting the wrong recruiter introduce you for a job that's not a match by throwing spaghetti at a wall. And if you're a contractor, you never stop networking. You show up here, you show up at Write the Docs meetings, and you make sure that people know what you know and that you're available. Okay, so finding dev doc work is not hard. Landing it, doing it well, and staying sane. Those are. So I am willing to answer lots of questions. I kept this short so that we could be interactive. Bring it on, please. Yes. Okay, I have actually six questions, but I will probably
3: go in portions, right?
0: Okay, great. She's organized, okay.
3: it's or whatever. Mm-hmm. So who pays for technical writer jobs on open source projects? It's just, just
0: okay. understanding. So you're asking how open source makes money and therefore what it can afford to pay a tech writer. Exactly, and okay. well, let, let, let me answer. Okay. Uh, okay, so everyone understand the question? Yeah. Open source, where do they make money? How, how am I gonna make money from a company that pr- gives its product away? Answer is, they give their product away but they don't give the crown jewels, i.e. how to integrate that product or how to install, configure, and make the best use of that product. The documentation they put on their website, that's demoware. That's, that will get you to be able to install it, maybe, and maybe do a few basic things. But it won't let you make the product powerful. It certainly won't make you allow you to integrate that product with your database or other cloud-based solutions. So once you've said, I like this product, I downloaded it, I, the doc was good, useful enough to be able to get me to hello world. You pay, and you pay a lot, in order to get the rest of the documentation and the hardcore. I updated it yesterday. We know this is right documentation, and you also get training for that. So that's how these companies make money. They'll, it's teaserware initially that's the open source
3: like community edition and then if you want like professional edition Facebook. well it's all
0: community it's all community cuz everybody does contribute uh-huh. but there there are level there are tiers yeah. um, there there's a uh, it's trialware is the best concept for those of us who who still live on personal computers like try it for a while uh-huh. uh, but then we'll, we'll then we'll sell you tech support. Then we'll sell you, you know, industrial strength documentation.
3: automation, without nothing. Can you still uh, apply auto-generators, somehow make it work with their
0: code, or there's only by going to the code and adding? Okay, it? so let, let me make a distinction. The, the question was about auto-generating documentation from code. API documentation, yes. API documentation and, and so forth. Let me clarify. In an auto-generating content, what you're doing is you're running the script on source code that includes documentation as comments and you are generating standalone documentation or at least usable online documentation and so forth it does not that does not mean that a tech writer didn't write those comments there's always going to be a role for a writer now robots will be able to come along and emulate a lot of what the the basics that we do today i think i think you'll I think those of us who watch what robots can do for non technical content should be scared because robots write sports stories and political stories all the time. But in technical content, there is not, that hasn't happened yet. Could it someday? Why not? But that's not where software development companies are going to put their money. They're going to find a technical writer who can translate what's in their heads and create content in the source. So it's true that they're not going to hire somebody who can run FrameMaker. They're not gonna hire a toolsmith, because they, to, they themselves can generate that content, but they can't write it. If they can't write it, they need us. So for the foreseeable future, probably the length of your career, and I'm saying 20 years, that's, that's likely to be what happens. There will be robotic attempts to write documentation. I don't know that the customers are gonna like it, and I think that high-end companies with taste and high price tags are gonna continue to use humans. The
3: yeah, second part of the question was like the opposite of the first. Instead of doing all work manually, like I'm currently doing like work man- manually, writing every end that it gets pretty much the tonic.
0: Uh, I'd like to, sure. Okay, I'm going to throw that open to the floor. 5%
4: 5% of the content is the automated part.
0: And they're in health believing they can automate it. Yep. I took me three months to rewrite one manual was so badly organized. Uh-huh. So the state of the art is pretty, pretty poor. But yes, uh-huh. it is possible to auto-generate content and, and pray that your, your customer doesn't sue you. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it's, it's, right now, it's a waste of time. OK, thank you. Nope. JX, please.
5: It's a little more clear where the auto-generation fits into it. So like, what does this function do, this method do? Yes, there's an answer. What does this parameter to this function do? Yes, there's an answer mm-hmm. for it. But So how do you use this is sometimes a whole separate thing that a human needs to write. Um, for auto-generated tools, what people really want to know is what's the contract with the outside world? It's not enough to know what the name of the function is. It's what are the rules? Like well, if you hand me uh, such and such, I will do one of three separate things, depending on which thing you pass to me. And it's that kind of information that someone needs to write. And it can't really be done completely automatically, because what's inside the function in the source code is how it does the thing. The comments above the function of the class is, what's the agreement with the outside world? And it may not be obvious from looking at the code. That's something that some human, whether it's the coder or a writer, has to say, what is my agreement with the outside world? And for public APIs, let's say it's Facebook, You know, and people are going to be using the Facebook API, it's not only the agreement, it's the agreement that they're signing up to do for the next five to 10 years. So they have a great interest in having it be as accurate as and unambiguous as possible about the agreement.
0: That's a, that's a good way to understand it. Thank you. More questions. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to opine on, on on the difference, but open source is typically mm. source code to, to which many people contribute. Um, where where it continues to evolve. I, I don't know if anybody else would like to add to the definition of open source. It's pretty. <laughs> it, it's come a long way. Um, there are lots and lots of innovators and a lot of people interested in contributing to open source because there are fewer rules, fewer constraints in the open source world than you know one company with one product selling it for free or selling a demo version for free. Is that, is that anywhere close to an answer for your, your question? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Nothing wrong with free if it does the job. DJ. I find a huge amount of open source work being done in San Francisco and a, a lot less in the South Bay. Okay. I see a lot more enterprise and, and established companies and, and focused. South of market? South of market is, yes, of course. I mean, there, there is nothing north of market that's not financial industry or, or rent, to, rent too expensive to, for most companies to afford. Um, and it's not all bartable, but it is it is San Francisco proper so with contracts. okay for a tech writing contract any old tech writing contract the least i've seen most clients sign up for is 3 months typically they do that with the understanding that they can extend indefinitely and extending indefinitely sometimes means years thank you yep did that did that help other people understand they understood the question okay Yes. Um so you mentioned uh, like try to do open source uh reference documentation rather than uh, like old old it's like uh open source dinosaur duck old style like reference documentation. Right. Can you please uh, explain uh, like the difference and what's the oh. Okay, I'm gonna duck that one too. Um <laughs> Tom, how about you?
1: That's definitely more of a, a new uh, trend for API reference documentation. And, and what is
0: example like? What characterizes like old style versus new style? Almost anything written until about ten years ago.
6: Um, so something, if I use JavaDoc to generate the docs, that would be like old style. Yeah,
1: yeah because well, yeah. only if, if you look at the trends nowadays or rest apis instead of java api so i mean it's not that javadoc is old school it's just that java apis are becoming less and less common but i mean if you're documenting a java api you have to use javadoc because there's nothing really else I mean, or doxygen
0: so yeah or doxygen so basically I, like i i built a
3: template myself uh based on some ideas which include like uri method fast uh, parameters query parameters request schema uh, request some yeah. response uh, codes. Response uh, what is it? Uh, response error codes. Response yeah. schema.
0: Uh, it's a I don't remember everything by heart. Uh, <laughs> like so are you doing fine? All <laughs> necessary like elements, right? How
3: I know if what I wrote is old style of you?
0: Try out the request. So a, uh-huh. pr- a cut and pastable p- piece of code yeah. where they can actually
3: Yeah, I put a sample how you may work a request like URL with uh, like body if there's a body for the request or something like that. Some kind
1: of like API explorer. They push a button, it actually like goes out and brings it back right there on the page. Not not just the code sample. I mean the code sample is yet yeah, mandatory, but, uh-huh. but also the interaction component, I would say.
0: Yeah, if it is a need Which to did not exist. To
3: Okay. Uh, 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 yeah, but that, uh, uh, okay, thank you for this idea.
6: More questions. So you mentioned about some uh, classes on your, some of your slides. You know, if you want to take classes, you can go back that's right.
0: How about there? Nope.
6: Right.
4: Uh,
6: uh, so I think there was some talk about Sarah's class, so I didn't hear the complete
0: discussion. Sarah Maddox's class. So Sarah Maddox is a, an API writer for Google on Google Maps, um, and she comes to the Bay Area usually in January each year, and she teaches a class that usually sells out. Has a sells out. It's free, but 100 120 people show up, and it's a day long, eight nine hours where she prev and the link there is to her course material, most oh. most recent course material. And it will take you it's to her Google Drive account with folders that you can start at module one and go through module whatever and you will be a lot wiser about API documentation when you're done. So how long does it take actually for you to from start to finish to learn API docs and say <sighs> I'm I work, right? I mean if you're saying it in all the class. You, That means very little other than you've shown initiative and that you may have your mind around some aspects of what's involved. You're not ready to do the work until you've done the work. And that means really contributed to an open source project or collaborated with somebody who has done this and had responsibility for actually getting stuff done and making it accurate and so forth. There is no done done. There, you, you are well on your way and you are marketable at the point where maybe you can read some Java and some Python and you've contributed mildly to perhaps an open source API. Or what I like to do with, with clients who say, I don't know what I need other than I, I need my API documented, is ask them to point me at what they like Show me an API document that you like, and I will have a candidate that I introduce go to said site and either emulate it or improve upon it. Take five pages from the Twitter API and make it better and call that your portfolio sample and say, based on this resume and this portfolio sample, do you want to interview this candidate? And if the candidate made the portfolio sample worse, the answer might well be no, but <laughs> if you were able to add value other than fixing a typo or two, you will very likely get the interview because you've shown initiative, you've shown that you can dig into existing content and make it better, and you've taken a class and or, you know, you've, you've explored. It's more than an idea. You've, you've shown that you are deeply curious about getting into this niche of the business. Does that help? I think JX J- and I s- spent some time this afternoon talking about what it takes to make a really effective technical writer. I think deep technology chops is essential, but so is curiosity. Yeah. And there are an awful lot of people who have told me over the years, I really want to get into API documentation. And I say, and why haven't you? Don't know where to start. Don't know, you know, can't get it, can't set aside the time. These kinds of excuses, yeah. They, they don't impress hiring managers. So
2: Mm-hmm. and I walked away learning about open source, mm-hmm. um, and so at what point and what do I put on my
0: LinkedIn to make me marketable, you know like? If that's all you've done, yeah. don't, <laughs> that's not enough. That's not um, enough. No, no, um, you've taken an API class, give yourself some credit for it, create a training section under education that says, I took Sarah Maddox's class in 2016. If you, if you did some code samples within the class that you want to extract and say, here's part of my portfolio sample, or you started as Sarah, Sarah started, this is the before and this is the after, that's credible. But it's not enough. You're, you're, you're not willing to, you're not ready to earn your living as an API writer until you've done something more substantial because ultimately a software engineer is depending on you to read their mind and to understand their audience and dig deeper. You can do it as an apprentice. You can say, I'd like to write system admin documentation for you, and I'd really like the opportunity to work on APIs on the side. That's totally fine. But say, I'm an API writer? No. Or you can, but it'll backfire.
6: Do you have any uh, links to to, good open
0: source? In my speaker's notes, I do. Um, I I have been told many times the following five or six links really sing for our audiences. In fact, there was a time three years ago when three companies in the space of a week came to me and said, the developer content at Dropbox.com, developers.dropbox.com is so good that I will pay you a 20% premium to find me a writer who can do that content and they would give me a url and say bring it on we can't find these people and there are and that was a while back but it's still state of the art it's it's developer.dropbox.com so you know the the everyone knows about dropbox the developer site developer tutorials and the api reference content that they make available is Singularly good, but there are there's that was a while back. There's better stuff out there. It keeps on getting better. It's this is not an art that is disintegrating. This is not an art in which we are increasingly settling for crap. We're we're actually demanding better and better work, and it's it's hitting the market.
1: What do companies do when they can't find candidates that meet these high requirements?
0: Contract. You wanted one word. Okay, um, these people don't exist. They'll, they'll search for weeks and weeks and weeks and they'll say, we got a ship, we got a ship, we got a ship. Where is somebody who can do half of this kind of work to whom we don't have to make a, a lifetime commitment? And they'll find a, a consultant who will come and do most of it and they'll patch it from there and call it good. Uh, they typically won't hire on staff somebody who is untested, but who promises they can do it. It's, it's a trade-off, and most of these companies are realizing that it's a hiring manager's, <sighs> a hiring manager's at a disadvantage. It is a candidate's market. If the candidate has the, the, the skills and knows the right questions to ask and is experienced enough to be able to create something comparable in the time allotted, mm-hmm. they're gonna give that candidate a shot. In fact, there are bidding wars over those, those kinds of candidates. And sometimes they say, and thou shalt be on site, and thou shalt attend every scrum meeting, and thou shalt earn this price. And you can say, well, everything's fine except for on site, every meeting, this price. Here are my terms, and they settle because they don't have a leg to stand on. They've looked long enough.
1: Yep. And the person had to know Rammel, like the back of their hand,
0: and right. all kinds of You would be happy to know they, that that was Sony, and Sony has given up on Rammel. Is now using Word. <laughs> 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 They've also reorganized, and now, now they are Sony Interactive Entertainment. And they found a candidate to do it in Word, I guess? Or what, what are they they doing? found one and they want another. Um, but this person lives on site and, and long hours, um, but it is downtown San Francisco near the, the, the Caltrain Terminus. And you ask him why they're using Word, and he rolls his eyes, the hiring manager, and says, I'm sorry, that's all the SMEs will touch. Yeah. And what's the price? They're paying 75 an hour W-2. So that's the decent price. That's way above average. But <laughs> it's Word. And most people I know roll their eyes at Word. So yeah, no more ramble.
2: Oh, okay. Second
0: is, you said learn a language, which one would you recommend? Okay, I, I'm going to duck on both of those because <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I will self-incriminate. Um, I, I will take a stab at, at the what's the difference between regular, like a Java API and a REST API. Yeah. In, in REST land, you've got four functions <laughs> um, and it's really simplified yeah. and there is really no standard yet for how to document them. In, Java or C++ or C or other APIs. There's, increasingly, there are standards that are about you know, the norm. Okay, please. I'm not interested
5: Liz, you have to
2: do All right,
0: <laughs> Liz, go ahead. You've been too quiet. Well,
2: yeah, but I've been up, I come from a programming background, right, so I was one, or am one, I don't know. I was one, <laughs> and I try not to be, but, you know, hey, I learned C-sharp last year, so, you know. Good for you. Pick something. It doesn't really matter what it
1: is. Yeah. There is a Stack Overflow survey. I just mm-hmm. want to add this. There is a Stack Overflow survey that- Do not that program by mean, Stack Overflow. But it tells you the most popular languages. I believe it was in this one. Or just search for the most popular programming
4: JavaScript. languages.
1: JavaScript, At yes. the top of the list will be Java, C++, C++ oh. JavaScript, to Python, oh. and then it goes down from there. So I think .NET is like on the fifth or
4: sixth yeah, there.
0: But, like, yeah. Sorry, Bob. <laughs> but
4: I guess I'd like some comments on this one of Python.
2: I've never seen a job description where
4: they want you to know Python, but one contract I'm looking at says, okay, there are APIs within various codes, but they suggest using Python to interact with it. So it's so easy to use. Speaks is based on Python, right? And yes,
0: like
4: I think so, yeah. popular yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. tools for yeah. this kind of document.
0: Eric Shorger likes Sphinx a lot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> can,
3: can
0: you can answer, sure. But, but hang on a second. We had an answer coming oh, here. My for answer
3: is. Uh, so, you asked the difference between and other tests. So, basically, I think uh, if you will take theater classes, and I took them, and even then, I'm also software engineer in my background, I still gained a lot of these classes. He explains one uh, thing that there are like, two types of ap- APIs. One are platform SDKs and another are web APIs. Oh. So this is one basic difference. Yep. Platform SDKs is, is when you have a programming language like Java and there is functions, methods that takes parameters and you uh, describe return term type of the method, types of parameters, uh, signature of the method, etc. These are platform SDKs. There, resti- uh, there, there are web APIs. And they also have subtypes. There are SOAP Web APIs and there's REST Web uh, like APIs. So there are different ways of how they work over the internet. And concept of REST APIs is they work with resource. So basically, what uh,
0: they work they with. said that there are only four methods. How this can work? Right? If there
3: are only four methods, because the concept is not the verb but the noun. It's resource. And on resource you make different manipulation. So rest is the whole like philosophy, architecture, blah blah blah. But <laughs> from API perspective, it's a, a difference that you don't operate as verb, you operate on a resource, on a noun. And this is the basic difference. It, if you will take Peter Krenn, I, I just love his classes. Okay. I also found out totally accidentally on LinkedIn or something like that, then. There is, there is and it was. Um, it's some the idiotic
0: yeah. all, the links, all the links to Peter Grunbaum's classes are in the and speaker's I, notes. And
3: I say it's idiotic because it didn't let me to create an account because my email was rocketmail.com, yeah. and they say this is a bad domain. But <laughs> the history is I'm just very old. I created my email in
0: 1995, and it You're was, forgiven, it don't worry. No, Anybody else, want to, anybody else want to chime in on the, on the question at the moment, the difference between different kinds of APIs? Anyone else? Okay. Any other questions?
2: So I have something separate. Okay. I, I saw a presentation from a woman from Docker, mm-hmm. which is an open source project. She said, Mary um, Anthony? No, I don't remember her name, honestly. She said that one of the things that you can volunteer your time for, just like people contribute code, you can contribute to the docs, to any mm-hmm. open source project. And one, of, you will be, as writers, you will be the gratitude one, right? A lot of code writers are non-native English speakers. They can't really write English well, but they can appreciate when you turn it into really good written docs. They gush. And they will be <laughs> all over you and be super happy. If, you, if that's all you do, they will be unbelievably grateful. Place? Well, but that's part of the thing, right? So you, yeah. they will answer your email. They will be happy to answer your questions. Well, you, you can right? also
5: consider the eliciting information from them. Yeah. Right? Part of practicing for part the job. There you
0: yeah. go, exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. I sometimes describe, yeah. they are basically two halves of
5: the work. There's yeah. learning quickly, and then there's explaining stuff. Yeah. If you don't understand what they mean, then you have to elicit. Well, and
2: sometimes when you ask them what they meant, it's completely different from what they wrote. So it's like, well, why sure. not you just say that instead of doing this
0: and they'll, they'll just because, it. They're because they're yep. human well we perfect. did no you didn't mm-hmm. you said it to me that's why they need you mm-hmm. professional <laughs> <laughs> insurance go so, ahead JX. Uh, one,
5: one general suggestion and one suggestion for working with uh, engineers the general suggestion is if you don't in any part of life or on the web or you're reading Go look it up on Wikipedia. It's true that deep knowledge on things is really important, but also having a breadth of knowledge. If someone's talking to you and they use three words you don't know what they are at all, you've essentially lost 100% of the information because you may be missing important context. Ambient knowledge is very valuable. Knowing that acronym or that term, you know, if you had never heard rest, then you know it'd be nice to know what that is. If you're not sure the distinction between function and method, and what a subtype is. Like, if you don't know what something is, go look it up on Wikipedia. Um, so that's sort of, yes, it's geeky, but breadth is also important, not just depth. Ambient I, knowledge.
2: I, I call it independent competence. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> you need to be completely independent and competent. Right? Nobody no. else is responsible for making you know stuff. Yes. I like that. Um,
5: and the yeah. mm-hmm. tip for working with engineers is um, ask good questions. and. What I mean by that is convince them that it is a good question. Like, do your due diligence before asking them a question. But also when you talk to them, demonstrate that. So for instance, if you could say, I couldn't tell whether this function did this or this. I checked the name. I did a search for the whole source code. And it wasn't even called once. So there wasn't even any context (laughs) for me to check. And I asked Bob, who was the person I was told to ask first, and he actually didn't know, so can you help me? Yeah. That not only have you asked for help, but you've demonstrated that you're not wasting you, their time by demonstrating your due diligence. And I think a lot of people yeah. forget that, that last part. And it's important to build credibility that you value their time. You're not <laughs> only there to make them look good, but you're also there to make everyone succeed and you demonstrating your due diligence. Who knows? You might find out that, oh. Did you check this other place? Mm. No, I didn't. Great, thanks for telling yep, me. Bye. You've now demonstrated your due diligence and learned a new thing at the same time, but right. if you just walked up there and asked a question, then might just be like, ah!
0: Not the tech writer again.
3: And another tip, <laughs> some people don't mind interrupts and some do, so I will try like, successful in eliciting information th- from from the developers. I, I mean it's still challenging but I'm trying to respect the fact that interrupting their work is not a good idea because they are like thinking deep into what they're doing. So I'm tr- unless something blocking me from making progress and I need immediate answers,
0: I try to like accumulate questions and allocate some you you batch you batch the questions and you yeah, and write I have a question. Any comment? No. Criticism? Disagreement? Pretty
2: pretty He's pretty. He's pretty it seems it sounds like it, it looks like it's back up to where it
0: was. Oh, this this is we're we're back up to the highs of, of 2001 and, yes. and so forth and and beyond. Yeah. I I would well, say well, that well, because
6: of that are, are there clouds
5: in the future? <laughs> I said it. <that> uh, <laughs> last time was not
0: a good. So you know, you, uh, you I bet her that one.
3: In other words,
6: there is some uncertainty over, over the six parts one of you. Yeah, if yeah. the thing wins, forget <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> In that case, I recommend everyone
5: order a little extra food and take it home with a doggy bag. Vote for
6: Andrew Davis. I'm not running. <laughs> 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 and
5: we're all safe.
0: Thank you. All right. Is that... I'm I am not Canadian. No, my, my sister defected, though. <laughs> I have
3: You said two contradictory in my understanding things. From one hand, you said, uh, oh, the comment open source pro- uh, project doesn't require you to be on site, you can work remotely. From the other hand, you said it cannot be outsourced offshore. Why? If you can work from any place in the world of this documentation. You mean? Uh, I mean, uh, why somebody like from
0: India, or whatever, from any place in the world can they try this documentation? You said this they can. This they they can write this document. Okay, uh-huh. the, the question uh-huh. is, is why is this work not being offshored? Yes. The work is not being offshored. API reference and, so, and d- developer tutorial documentation is not being offshored because the content, the crown jewels of the company, lives in Northern California, in Silicon Valley. Why does it do that? Because the people who build it want to live here. And because there's venture capital, and because there's a ton of opportunity and very, very technical and qualified talent. You would be surprised how much documentation is not, developer documentation is not written in the Bay Area. What I'm telling you is that the average developer, doc, technical writer who is good at their craft, local, is local, and doesn't want to commute. I mean, laughs at me when I say, there's a job 10 miles down the road, would you like to talk to them? They say, do I have to be there? No. Do I have to be in an open seating environment? No, don't even apply. (laughs) Um, So it will be offshored only when copyright laws offshore improve. That what That is what keeps the work in uh-huh. the states.
2: And it's unique to hear. So Alan Houser tried to have Sarah Maddox do her API class in DC. Kay. He couldn't fill the room. Like, the work is here. <laughs> we sell it in an hour, but he couldn't fill the room out there.
0: Tell us, tell us about TC Camp East. I don't know. You don't want to? OK, sorry. <laughs> All right. TC Camp wet East but this it is, summer. It's going to be January, we have, we're just getting started.
2: Nathaniel, everybody knows Nathaniel. He's our fundraising chair. He's getting started Okay. Anybody else who wants to volunteer? Oh, we got Some money. <laughs> <laughs> Textbook is coming. Camtasia will be here
0: this year, which is cool. More questions or comments on, on topic, and yeah. then I'll shut down. What yeah.
6: is uh, what does the question? Like just add is yes. more- Work together as groups, and you, as a person trying to document the code, you have a more system level view, and each developer might just have a module level view.
0: Might does yes. Developer
6: knows only this part
0: of the code. Right. So
6: when you when you go in and you know this is something that happened very recently, you go in and comment out a whole bunch of lines in the code. You might still get the same output. So you want to play around with the code and try things out before going and talking to the developer. So that way you kind of make them feel that, you know, I've tried on this and I'm still getting the same output. What is this really doing? So then that kind of you know brings up their interest, saying, Oh yeah, this person is really taking the initiative, is trying things out, then you know, kind of helps.
0: I, I think JX would agree with you and, and many others would too. Again, if you don't interact with the product. If you more or less take it as theirs and yours is to learn what they think, then you really aren't serving the customer. Oh, related question.
3: By the way, if you play with the code and you find the bug, how do you normally behave? Like, you file it? Like, technical writers are filing the bugs? Or
0: you, yeah, you get it? yeah. File and, <laughs> and share well, the bugs. and then spend yeah, four hours yeah, <laughs> running yeah, the I test. I try to talk first to, to the developer, like, uh, but I don't know what is the general rule of physics. <laughs> Maybe I just shall stop yeah. it and yeah. just yeah. not to yeah. say that I, you know. There's no, no rule. rule. Because it, like, I had situations
1: where I didn't have the correct environment set up. Mm-hmm. Like I needed to be connected to actual hardware, okay. and so I wasn't getting a certain response because I was on a virtual machine. Uh-huh. So I, you know, I'll write an email to the, to the developer and say, hey, this is what I'm getting. Why is that? and they'll either say, oh, that's a bug, please go file it. Or, oh, you need to connect to the real hardware. Here's the IP address of the VM that's uh-huh. actually connected. Go do this. Or, you know, here's the, here's the IP address of the VM where well, we actually downloaded all this stuff we actually needed now. Uh, so there's always a possibility you didn't set up the environment, right? So check with the engineer, say, do you want me to file a bug? And they'll tell you, yes, or here's what you
5: mm-hmm. didn't do. All right. uh, there's another reason to, to ask, which <laughs> is it may be a known issue. So, uh-huh. they yeah. may be annoyed if there's seven yeah. similar no, locations. So I, I I actually buttons.
3: never do this, this file. I usually the communicate with the source, uh, developer. But I just wondered what is the general ethic, what people usually do. So well, I usually <laughs> just
4: ask is it, did I do something wrong or is this a bug to report? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> Andrew, thank you so much for coming and speaking with us yes. this evening.
0: Sure. Uh, from the, the
6: Payscale slides that you showed, uh, what's, what's your trend about you know, how companies are, are you seeing more companies looking for people, or has it come down, or?
0: Uh, more, more companies need these kinds of people, and more companies are, are acknowledging it. No, that, that is not, that trend is not abating. Um, I, I think that's staying strong. It tends to stay strong even throughout recessions. This is not the kind of work that is optional. Um, The kind of work that is optional is content writing, technical marketing writing. But when you need to ship a product and you need to scale your company to work internationally, you don't skimp on the API. Uh, Can we take it offline? Because I I want everyone else to be able to network and, and... All right, thank you, thank you.